What is going on, everybody? This is Zach back here with another episode of Clutch Crew Sports, and we're finally here. We finished the regular season, and we're on to the playoffs. That's going to be the majority of discussion uh, on this episode. We are going to review the last week of the lock board and take a look back at some of our best and worst moments, so hopefully you'll enjoy that. And then we'll uh, feature a new segment, This or That. We did this in the summer, and we've got a couple questions um would you take this or would you take that so stay tuned for that as well and hopefully you guys enjoy the show now let me introduce you to the rest of the crew what's going on y'all eric your ranting co-host here uh i actually don't have uh anything to rant about the jaguars finally fired doug marone praise jesus hallelujah like (laughs) a year too late but that's okay it's finally been done like Another step in the right direction. So I'm very happy about that. And uh, yeah, just excited to talk some playoffs and uh, hope you guys enjoy it. What is going on, guys? It is Connor, the co host with the most. And I'm slightly excited and slightly prideful that I am the only member of the Clutch crew to have my team in the playoffs this year. So excited to talk about the Steelers as. Weak as they might have looked over the last end of the season, they are in there. They're in the playoffs. So, um, but excited to talk about some of these other teams and seeing potentially who might be there at the end. What's up, guys? Nate here. Um, it's going to be kind of weird to talk about a playoff prediction without having the Pats involved this year, but um, hopefully uh, my picks will be a little bit more um, unbiased and. Uh, uh, hopefully more more accurate this year. So it'll uh, be fun to talk about that and uh, looking forward to it. Yeah, so we'll do around the shield first. And real quick before we start, if the trend continues, our first year of the podcast, Nate's team is in the playoffs. This year it's Connor's team. Eric, you know it's coming up next year. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so let's, uh, let's talk about these. Can I, put like like can I put like a hundred bucks down? Can I put like a hundred bucks down that that won't happen? <laughs> Man, Honestly, I mean, depend on the odds. I might, whatever the odds are, like I might consider saying making the playoffs, but I'd have to have odds. Um, hey, well, you know, there was a. I remember the Vegas like odds betters got really, really nervous that year that uh, the first year of the Vegas Golden Knights being in the league and they were like super long shots to win the Stanley mm-hmm. Cup. But of course, like everyone living there put some kind of bet on <laughs> yeah. them to win it and they like yeah. got there and they were like, oh crap, we're gonna have to pay a ton of money to these people if they win. <laughs> yeah. All right. So the, the first AFC playoff uh, wildcard playoff game that we want to talk about, is going to be the Colts and Bills. And all four of us have made our picks for this game, and we shockingly all picked the Bills. Uh, obviously, we, we went with the Bills, but Nate is going to speak on behalf of the Colts. So playing des- devil's advocate, Nate, why do you think the Colts have a chance in this? Yeah, so, I mean, obviously we all picked the Bills for a reason. Um, I think they're a better team than the Colts overall, but um, the Colts, I mean, they still have the potential to be upset here just because, um, you never know with Phillip Rivers, which kind of performance he's going to turn in. And they do have some, you know, studs on defense. Um, they got enough talent to make it close, I think. They've shown a lot of flashes throughout the season. Um, so I think it's definitely a possibility. Um, it's just, I think, overall, they're not, you know, well-rounded enough for me to pick them. But um, 
I wouldn't say it's going to be a huge you know, upset, but. Okay, Connor, uh, why? So you picked the Bills um, to go pretty far in the playoffs. Why? Uh, why are you confident that the Bills will win this? Well, I pretty much equate the Bills, at least in this game, well, I guess this season, I kind of equate them to the Chiefs of last year where, like, they've got this super high-powered offense and, like, a, like a pretty average but still good defense. Um, but I definitely – this was, like, one of the most no-brainer picks for me going to the playoffs. The Buffalo Bills are super hot right now. Um, and also the Colts really didn't look that good last week against the Jaguars. Um, they just, like – I mean, they should – if they were performing to where they should at a playoff level, they should have blown out the Jaguars. Like it shouldn't have been 28 to 14. It should have probably been like 42 to 14. Um, But it's just, I think the thing that's going to hold the Colts back in this game is they just don't have the offense. Um, Like the bills don't need a stellar defense to be able to stop them from uh, scoring points. And obviously the bills offense has shown that they can get past some really big time defenses. Um, You know, they were, able to put up a, a good amount of points on the Steelers in week 15. And then they put up a lot of points. Even their backups put up a lot of points against Miami yesterday and Miami had a really good defense. So um, I don't really think this is going to be terribly close. Um, I would probably give it to Buffalo by like two touchdowns, um, but who knows? We'll see. <laughs> yeah. All right. So moving on to the next game means a lot to Connor. Obviously we've got the Browns and the Steelers. And Steelers, what? Who are who's that team? <laughs> <laughs> so for our picks, we're actually split down the middle here. Myself and Nate are picking the Browns. I've been high on the Browns all year. I'm a little surprised Nate went with them since he's been mostly down on the Browns, but he went with the Browns. And Connor and Eric went with the Steelers. Uh so Nate, we've got you picked to talk about the Browns here. What are some X factors for the Browns and what do you expect to happen for them to be able to win this game? Yeah, so I mean, I'm really just going off of uh, it's kind of a crazy turnaround for the these teams. They just played on Sunday and they're about to play again this weekend. Um, and obviously the Browns, I thought, looked great. Um, they've been looking pretty good as of late. I think just really the key for them is their offense has really gotten going. I think Baker has looked as good as he has since coming into the league. And obviously they have those two great running backs. Um, I think that's going to be the key for them is they can get their offense going, and Steelers have a really solid defense, but I think just the whole team overall um, the last couple of weeks have kind of, you know, had some issues. They've lost some games they probably should have won, and after going undefeated, they definitely have some more, like, you know, visible weaknesses than what they looked like in the first half of the season. So I think really for them is that they can just show up and be the team we saw the first half of the season. They can win, but um, I think the Browns' offense is going to get the better of them this time. All right, and then Connor, obviously, you know, whenever we uh, pick our teams, we want to try and be as unbiased as possible here. So uh, uh, with that being said, what are the X factors for the Steelers? Uh, Maybe a player in mind that you expect to be a significant contributor. What's it going to take for them to beat the Browns? I think the biggest thing for them is just they have to – you know, they just have to continue their, I guess, revamp in a way that they've had towards the end of the season because, um, you know, in that stretch, again, like Washington, Buffalo, 
and obviously now uh, the Browns, and then there was another team thrown in there that I can't remember now, the Bengals. Uh, during that stretch, obviously, they didn't look very good. Their their offense was very one, like, it was already one-dimensional because they couldn't really run the football, but, like, really one-dimensional because all they had going was the short passing game, um, and teams were just able to key on that. But we really saw in Week seven, uh, in week 16 against the Colts that they really started to get the deep ball working again. Um, I will say Mason Rudolph was throwing some dimes yesterday. I did not expect Mason Rudolph to play as well as he did, but um, if the Steelers can continue to get that deep ball working – then obviously it opens up the short passing game, which is what they're super good at. And then, um, you know, thankfully they'll have, hopefully the whole offensive line healthy uh, going into this game against the Browns. And then um, hopefully they can open up some holes for James Conner since he's going to be healthy as well. So, and then obviously the defense is the defense. They're going to be without Joe Hayden and they're uh, on defense. They're going to be without Eric Ebron on offense too, but I don't think that's a huge, uh, a huge deal since he's not really a blocker at all. And he's had a lot of drops, so that's not a huge, but they're going to be without Joe Hayden on defense. Um, But they've shown that they can play down a couple guys and TJ Watt and Cameron Hayward are going to be back uh, for the playoff game. So I really, it's just going to be, again, just, continuing the the revamp of the offense if they can even just get the running game going a little bit then you know with how good this passing game is with how talented these receivers are um i definitely think they can win this game and i think the last thing is that the browns in my opinion should be pretty worried going into this game the fact that uh, obviously the steelers aren't the same team but in their two matchups against the steelers this year in the first one they got completely destroyed and then in the second one, they only barely managed to hold on against the Steelers resting almost half their players. So, um, and now the Steelers are going to be at home, which isn't a huge deal, but it's definitely concerning if I'm the Browns that they only managed to come away with a two point win when the Steelers were resting all their player, not all their players, but most of their players. So, um, that was my trying to be unbiased. Um, I will say <laughs> I am being unbiased in my overall picks because I don't have the Steelers making yeah. it past the divisional round, so I'm not being super biased. <laughs> yeah, no, we're not going to accuse you of that or anything. Like that. <laughs> um, okay, so now the final AFC matchup. This is going to be a rematch from last year's uh, playoffs. Is going to be the Ravens at the Titans. Um, so a different stadium, but still the same two teams. And once again, we're split on this one as well. Myself and Connor have picked the Ravens to win and Eric and Nate have picked the Titans. So even more us not showing our biases with Eric picking the Titans and Connor picking the Ravens. Um, I get, I, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure Eric and I are thinking against our better judgment. <laughs> yeah. You're like, Hey, uh, I'll root for one team, but if they lose, then at least I got this to fall back on, maybe. Um, uh, trust me, I'm not going to be sad if the Titans win the game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I'll I'll talk first about the Ravens and let Eric uh, give him a little bit more time till he talked about the, the Tennessee Titans and why they'll win. But for me, with the Ravens, uh, famously last year, you can go back and listen to it, I was probably the only person outside of Tennessee to pick the Ravens to beat the Titans in this game. And keep in mind, this was back when Lamar Wait, Jackson. You, you mean you, you picked the you picked the Titans? 
Oh, I meant this. I was thinking yeah. this year. Yeah, yeah. I meant I meant to okay. say that. I yeah, I picked the. Uh, I had to Titans. make sure you got your proper credit there. Okay, yeah. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you. I, I was thinking way ahead here because uh, I've changed that pick um, for this year's game. Um, so yeah, I picked the Titans last year because I I saw them coming in as the hot team, and I thought the Ravens resting their starters last week was a bad sign. The bye week, Tennessee beating the Patriots, like. The success Derrick Henry was having, obviously Derrick Henry's still there, but uh, to me it was just prime for a big upset, and I got that pick right. And now the same two teams are playing again, and I'm going with the road team again in this series, and the Ravens haven't beaten the Titans in a while because this season the Titans actually beat them in Baltimore again. So I'm going out on a little bit on a limb here with the Ravens, but they just have everything clicking right now. Their run game is back. And what concerns me with the Titans is just their defense in general. I think with the way their defense is playing and giving up points, we saw it with the Texans this past week, that that's not a recipe for going far in the playoffs. And last year they were a lot better on defense than they are right now. Um I'd say their offense is better this year than last year's, but it just seems to me like the Titans when I didn't even need to see the matchup, but I was going to say they're going to lose their first playoff game based on how their defense is playing. Um, and the Ravens are a bad matchup for them, in my opinion, with the way their offense is clicking. Lamar is actually starting to play a lot better. Um, so this I kind of see as a reversal of last year. The Ravens are coming in hot. The Titans are kind of stumbling in. Um, and I have the Ravens winning. It'll still be a close game. But I think they've learned their mistakes from last year. And I think they've matured a little bit. They're going to take this a lot more seriously. And I see them winning by like a touchdown. And if I had to give an X factor um, for the Ravens... Um, I'm going to say it's their secondary because their secondary is going to need to get a couple interceptions because the Titans offense is one of the best offenses in the NFL. So I have no problem with the Ravens being able to score, but the Ravens defense and specifically in their secondary are going to need a couple interceptions off Tannehill and really also for the Ravens to get out to a big lead. They need to get, they they are a team that plays well with the lead. Run the ball to the clock. Um, very similar style of Tennessee with liking to run the ball, but getting takeaways is going to be big for the Ravens this game. But Eric, I know you're not going to like doing this, but go ahead and give us the keys to the game for the Titans. <laughs> yeah, as the uh, attorney and representative for the Titans here, I just... No further questions, and we'll just go on. Just go. <laughs> it's hard for me to. Talk uh, I thought about, I thought honestly. you were going to say that you were going to. I thought you were going to say you're going to sue this podcast for making you talk about your least favorite team. No, no, I'm not 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 going to go that far. But uh, obviously, as a Titans hater, I will be fine if they lose this game. But uh, but as you know, we've talked about earlier. You know, putting the bias aside. Obviously, I did that because I feel like the Titans will win the game. Um, I definitely agree with what Zach is saying about Baltimore being hot and everything, but the reason why I'm not as worried about that for the Titans is that when you look at who's uh, when you look at who Baltimore has played over this hot streak, 
it's been a lot of really weak teams. And so, you know, they did what they were supposed to do. They got a lot of blowout wins. They had that crazy comeback win over the Browns. But, I mean, they beat the Jags, the Cowboys, and the Bengals, who have all been really awful this year. So it would have uh, really been horrible if they had lost those games. So I – and I guess I'm also just more so concerned, too, for the Ravens in the sense that Lamar Jackson has had – so many times where he's flashed greatness but then when it comes into the playoffs he's just not able to get it done like teams have just been able to stop him in the playoffs for whatever reason so I doubt the Ravens in that regard and then also with the Titans as I mentioned their offense is really good uh you know they've been they've definitely been winning uh you know despite how bad the defense has been and my key to the game is very similar to Zach's, but with the Titans in the sense that the Titans need to get out to a big lead early on if they can. And I think it's more important for them to do so more than the Ravens because the Tennessee Titans are, I mean, their game plan is predominantly Derrick Henry, but if you get down, if the Titans get down two scores or something early in the game, they're in trouble because then you can't run the ball as much and you're more forced to, you know, go to the passing game. Whereas if the Titans get a big lead, they can do exactly what Zach wants the Ravens to do, which is chew the clock, run the ball, keep the clock running, limit the other team's chances. So definitely whichever team gets off to the hotter start is who I think will win the game. But I just, in my mind, I see the Titans doing it. I, I'm i just not a believer in Lamar Jackson in the playoffs just yet. But as I said, if you know, if the Ravens win, I'm not going to be salty or anything. This is me and Eric's matchup where we're both just like, we picked one team, but we're rooting hard for the other team. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, Connor yeah. will be rooting for the Titans. I'll be rooting for the Ravens, even though we both picked the other team. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Um, and also, too, this playoff game is going to be potentially the shortest playoff game ever. I think with the way these two teams run. Yeah, this I game mean, maybe could be back over in like old two days, and a half but, hours or something. But like. yeah, like <laughs> it, the clock's just going to be nonstop running because they're going to run the ball every play. But uh, but yeah, so that's the AFC. We'll transition over to the NFC, which unfortunately this week is probably going to be a little bit less interesting um, because we all are in unanimous agreement for all three of the games. And we're picking the teams you would probably expect. We all have the Saints beating the Bears. We all have the Seahawks beating the Rams and the Buccaneers beating the football team. No one's but... picking the Washington football team. <laughs> Come on, guys, they're a football team. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we're still gonna we're still gonna play devil's advocate and make cases for these other three teams. So if you're a fan of the other three teams. You will hear uh, a key to the game. And we'll start with the Bears and Saints. And I guess uh, Connor can talk about the Saints first since that's been his team all year in the NFC. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I certainly would have other choices that I wish would win. But if I had to pick a team, yeah, that I was the highest on is the Saints. But um, yeah, I think that's pretty simple for the Saints is that like, it's really just going to be that, you know, the offense in my mind. Um, thankfully, they sh- they should go into this game with a lot of people back healthy. Um, 
Kamara, uh, since this game is going to be a Sunday game and not a Saturday game, Alvin Kamara is allowed to play. Um, and they should have Latavius Murray, too, because the only reason why they held him out of the last game was because he was deemed like a high-risk contact. He didn't actually test positive. So um, they should have both running backs back. Michael Thomas should be back healthy. Um, pretty much the reason why he sat out the end of the regular season, just because he wanted to get healthy for the playoffs. Um, yeah, and then it, it just they just got to keep it going. They really impressed me in the game against the Panthers um, with the way that they really just dominated that game without so many pieces on offense. Um, you know, obviously the Panthers aren't the greatest team in the world, but still to win 33 to seven, missing all your running backs and pretty well, most of your wide receivers is a pretty impressive feat um, by the saints. And um, I just don't see the bears being able to, I don't see Mitchell Trubisky being able to score on this defense and um you know, the Bears defense obviously isn't as strong as it was last year. So um, I would probably expect maybe like a 10-point win for the Saints. I'm not going to say it's going to be a blowout because I feel like not really any of these games are going to be too big of blowouts. Um, but I would probably give it like a 10-point win to the Saints. All right. And then, Eric, I know you picked the Saints and you're going to be rooting for the Saints. But <clears throat> give the Bears fans hope. What would it take for a Bears victory? on Sunday. Okay, so what it's going to take for the Bears to win this game is, first of all, they cannot get behind early in the game because David Montgomery has been a beast for them on the ground. Mitchell Trubisky is not a very good quarterback. You do, you can't, They cannot get behind early in the game and force Trubisky to make a lot of throws because, like, his biggest strength before was even though he couldn't really even though he couldn't read defenses he could still for the most part make accurate throws but i've watched a couple of his last games and a lot of times even when he's getting passes that should be easy wide open passes he's still like he might get the completion but he's throwing it high or throwing it low and he he's really not looking good right now uh in my opinion so what the bears need to do is keep the game close run the ball a lot and i one thing that i do bears fans if you're if if you're a bears fan and you're listening to this if you're a bears fan that wants matt Nagy fired you need to change your mind real quick because the reason why trubisky has looked good in terms of the numbers he's been putting up and things like that uh over some of these last few games is because of the offense that matt Nagy is running around him He's coming up with simple plays like like quick passes, screens, rollouts where he doesn't have where he's not being forced to read defenses. And it's making it it makes it a lot easier for Mitchell Trubisky to have success. And that's because of Matt Nagy. So you should want to keep him around regardless of who ends up playing quarterback for the Bears next year. But anyway, that's besides the point. Uh but so that's going to be the key for the Bears. You got to keep the game close. Just I know the Saints have Michael Thomas back, but I, if I'm the Bears uh, defensive coordinator, I'm putting all of the I'm putting as much emphasis as possible on uh, stopping Alvin Kamara. The Saints' offense flows through him. He's been a beast all year. Connor will tell you he had him on his team. <laughs> he won uh, me my game. <laughs> you know you can't. You can't, obviously, like what he had in the last game he played where he got six touchdowns, you know, if he does that again, obviously it's game over. Like, you got to limit Kamara, 
And then on the other end, run the ball. David Montgomery, Connor had him too. Like he's yep. been a, <laughs> a beast uh, most of the year. So you just got to get it to him. And that's going to be the Bears' biggest chance for an upset. All right. And then our next game is going to be a division rivalry here between the Rams and the Seahawks. And like I said before, we all have the Seahawks winning. But I've been chosen to play devil's advocate and give a reason for the Rams. And the best reason for the Rams, I think, is they won last week with, uh, is it John Wolford or Wofford or something? Um, That quarterback for them. It wasn't Jared Goff. It's their backup. But he actually played pretty well in his first ever start in a critical situation where he had to win to make the playoffs. And that should give Rams fans a lot of a lot more hope than if the Jerry Goff injury had just happened this week, because quite honestly, Jerry Goff hadn't been playing very well. So it's not a big loss. Um, it's not like uh, Russell Wilson getting hurt for the Seahawks. That would be absolutely devastating for them. But uh, with this new quarterback, the team's got to just rally behind him and potentially we could see a situation if this guy keeps winning um, where we might have a controversy, but uh, the, the Rams have to go into this game thinking we have nothing to lose. Let's just play football and see what happens. And obviously Aaron Donald is going to be much needed in this game. He's going to have to create pressure, create sacks. Um, Ramsey's going to have to play well. The Rams defense is really what's going to have to win them this game. And it's realistic for that to happen because they do have a lot of stars on defense. And I could see them. They're going to have to play well on special teams. That's another thing. It's kind of underrated. You don't really talk about this that much. But when it comes to punting and kicking field goals, they have to make all their field goals, <laughs> make all their extra points um, when when they have to punt. Uh, have decent punts and have good punt returns and just play just play really well in special teams and I think they can actually have a chance in this Um, it's gonna be tough to go up to Seattle but there's no 12th man this year so that's given them hope and the Seahawks have played better on defense but worse on offense the past couple weeks and you never know the Seahawks have been really inconsistent this year so uh, that's hope for the Rams and that's really the Rams' best shot, I think. Play play really well on defense and special teams, and um, and give their quarterback a chance to win the game. Uh, but Eric, why should the Seahawks win this game, and what is it going to take for them to win this game that they should win? Yeah, I mean the Seahawks have every advantage going into the game. I mean, even though, like you said, there's no crowd, they're still the home team. They don't have to travel. Uh, they obviously have the way better quarterback situation right now. I they they should win this game. It's going to be a bad look for them if they don't win the game. But I guess like my biggest X factor that I think could be the biggest factor for the Seahawks is going to be how well or how not well uh, Tyler Lockett plays in the game. Another guy Connor had on his fantasy team. I mean. He's He's talking about all my players this year. (laughs) He's the, he's the type of receiver though, that it seems like he either gets like eight catches for 130 yards and two touchdowns, or he gets like three receptions for 27 yards. And 
they believe me that's that, that's why yeah. he ended up getting benched towards the end of the season <laughs> yeah so he needs to be that explosive playmaker and then them not solely rely on uh DK Metcalf in the passing game. The Seahawks, to me, have been the most dangerous offensively when both of those guys have it going because you have you can't double team both of them. Obviously, like you double team one, the other one does damage. But if they're doubling DK Metcalf and then Tyler Lockett's not getting open, that could that could create problems for them. So Tyler Lockett's my biggest X factor. I think if he gets it going, then Metcalf will be able to get it going, and then the Seahawks shouldn't have any problems scoring. And I'm not too worried about the situation with the Rams quarterback. Uh, but I do agree with Zach, though. I mean, Jared Goff, like, I thought about picking him up in fantasy because, like, in the like final two weeks of the season, they were playing the Jets. And I forgot who else had played. Another team that had a really bad defense. So I thought about picking him up because of the matchups. But I was glad I didn't because he played pretty bad in both of those games. And uh, so that'll be interesting going forward for the Rams uh, to see what happens there. But uh, I, I think the Seahawks, I think this game will be closer than what most people think it'll be, but I still, Seattle, I think will still win like 24 to 20 or something like that. Hey, well, ju- just think guys, if the biggest advantage that the Rams have, if Wolford gets hurt, then Blake Bortles is going to be coming in at quarterback. <laughs> Oh, dude, Blake Bortles gets in. Game over. I don't know. Why, why are they not even starting that beast? <laughs> the, the Rams are really like Jacksonville West with all the connections they have with Bortles. Uh, yeah. Wolford uh, played at a high school in Jacksonville. So, like, Ramsey. Yeah, Ramsey. I forgot about Dante him, too. Dollar was on the team. Yeah. He's gone. They had, it. They had um, him. Yeah. yeah, and Jason Myers is kicking for the Seahawks, so he's going to help them. So... Uh, okay. <laughs> Getting too far off topic. Yeah. Uh, next and final game is Buccaneers at the football team. And haven't heard from Nate in a while. So, Nate, be the devil's advocate for the 7 and 9 football team and why they have a chance at beating the Bucks. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a tough one for me because I honestly have liked, I've been a, you know, kind of a somewhat of a fan of the football team all year long. Um, they've, been a lot better than I thought they'd be and most people thought they'd be coming into this season but um also obviously a fan of uh the Bucks and Tom Brady um to an extent so um this is tough for me to go against obviously I picked the Bucks as you can see on the screen but I think um the real thing for me is Washington's kind of been I guess a wild card in and of themselves I mean there's been some games where they've looked really good and obviously there's some games where they looked like you know, we expected them to come into the season. I think the biggest thing is if their defense with, you know, Chase Young and um, those guys up front can show up and really start getting to Tom Brady. I think that offense has so much talent on it, but the games versus like the Saints we saw earlier in the season when they really looked disjointed is when um, teams and like the Bears on that game, when teams have gotten pressure on Tom and made him, you know, unable to get the ball out quick, even quick enough to, um, you know, complete those star receivers they've got. I think that's the biggest thing is if they can get Tom uncomfortable um, and really slow down that offense. And if their offense can come out and just put up just enough points to uh, uh, keep up with them, I think they have a chance. But, um, you know, Tampa Bay is very hot right now. So that's going to be a tough thing to do. But, um, yeah, that's, that's my key for the um, football team is to get pressure on Tom. 
Yeah, and then I'll talk about the Buccaneers, and it's very similar in the other aspect for my keys for the Bucks because we know their offense has been on fire the last couple weeks against pretty bad teams, but uh, I'm not really worried about Brady or the run game or the receivers. Even though Mike Evans is hurt, they still have a lot of talent with the receivers and tight ends, and their defense is still... I, I expect their defense to do really well against Alex Smith and the football team. The biggest, the biggest concern for me is the offensive line and against the Washington defensive line because in Tom Brady's career, the teams that he's lost to the most are the teams with great pass rushers like Von Miller with the Broncos and Terrell Suggs with uh, Baltimore. So it's going to take that kind of an effort for Washington, but the tackles for uh, Tampa Bay have to be have to give Tom enough time and also too they they can't um they can't hurt themselves with penalties they can't hurt themselves with turnovers they need to play a clean game i think honestly if they play a clean game with penalties and turnovers they should win the game just with that alone but um to make it even more likely the offensive line should be better than they have been some weeks so those are my keys for the bucks um and then moving on to the lockboard so we had uh the last week in the lockboard here in the standings it's a lot of red um the only game that i got right was bama over notre dame and then eric got ohio state over clemson right as a five-pointer everybody else got every other pick wrong so the final standings are myself at 68 eric and connor actually tied for second with 60 and then Nate got 48 to finish in fourth place. And we wanted to more so for this, just take a reflection of the best and the worst. So I'll go through my best and then we'll go down to the worst. Um, so week one, I picked the Jaguars to beat the Colts. That was pretty crazy uh, because I was a Jaguars only win all year. So that was a five pointer. I got <laughs> right. Week three was huge for me. I got 10 points in week three and which that means i got two five pointers right and then in week five i got another five pointer with the dolphins over the 49ers uh connor tell the fans about your good lock board picks yeah i mean mine were um kind of the same with zach like you know zach started week one with the jacksonville over india i started week one with the louisiana over iowa state um you know iowa state ended up being um you know they ended up being the the big 12 champions and everything. So, um, you know, Louisiana beat them that first week. That was big. Then obviously the, the game seven between the nuggets and the LA Clippers where the Clippers just looked like trash in that game. Um, we had a, Eric had a rant about the Clippers a couple episodes ago. So, um, and that was directly involved. So I think that was pretty good. Then I remember the Wake Forest or Virginia tech one. Cause that was, a pretty infamous, uh, snipe on the lock board when I was doing that, where, I really wanted to take the Pittsburgh over Notre Dame game uh, that week, but Zach took it like right before me. So I was like, oh man, now I got to like switch over to a different five pointer because I wanted to take a five pointer. And I just like, I had a good feeling about that one. I took Wake Forest over Virginia Tech and it was a good thing that Zach sniped that pick from me because Notre Dame blew out Pittsburgh and Wake Forest ended up winning. So that was pretty good. And then the Indiana over Wisconsin one, that was probably like the easiest five pointer I picked all year. Like, 
I remember going into that episode, seeing that the spread was something like Wisconsin was favored by like 10 points. I was like, are you kidding me? Like Wisconsin's favored by 10 over Indiana. It's like, I know the quarterback's out, but still like, you know, Indiana is a really good team and Wisconsin's highly overrated. So um, I felt like that was pretty easy for me. So okay, move okay. on to let Eric talk about his best. Yeah. yeah so I had a couple five pointers that I got right. Uh, Kind of similar with them. It was another one in week one. You notice the trend where like a lot of us got like five pointer picks early and then didn't get as many later down the road. But um, I was pretty confident picking Georgia Tech to beat Florida State in week one. I just Florida State for some reason, even when they're not good, they still come into the season ranked in the top twenty five for some reason. And um, FS useless. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'm sure they'll turn it around eventually, but I just I had low expectations for them this year, so I, I got that five-pointer right. Uh, and then I got Kansas State over TCU. That one, uh, just based on how the teams had been playing, I was surprised that TCU was favored to win by a lot of points. So uh, that was another good one for me. And another thing that we didn't mention in, on this list, if you're looking on YouTube, but I don't remember the exact numbers on it, but obviously I had some really bad moments that we're going to talk about in the worst of the lock board portion. But um, at towards the end of the year, though, I think I came in first place in like four or five out of the last seven weeks or something like that. I don't know the exact number on it. Yeah, I didn't put that as I, the best, but that definitely. Could yeah, I had, I had a nice turnaround because I was at the bottom. Like I was even at last place, like just a few weeks ago and then I finished I came back strong and finished tied for second so you know I the, the goofy dragon memes of me are dead and uh, <laughs> you know, I, had a, I had a nice turnaround and honestly I probably would have got more points on the last week if I hadn't had to be so aggressive and literally only take five pointers because uh I would have not picked all five pointers but yeah I, I, I was happy with how it ended and I'm hoping that this will I'm assuming we'll do this again next year so I'm uh I'm hoping that this momentum will carry over into the next season for me. Yeah. So Nate, how about you talk about your best of lockboard performances? Yeah. So I had a couple um, <laughs> good five pointers. Obviously, wasn't enough to uh, keep me close in the race this year. But um, yeah, I got the Pittsburgh over Tennessee, which um, was kind of lucky because I was earlier in the season. I don't think people realized you know, how good Pittsburgh was going to be. Uh, there wasn't as much hype around them and their winning streak yet. So um, kind of got lucky to get a five-pointer for that one. Um, Liberty versus Virginia Tech was also kind of lucky because like, I believe a game got canceled for uh, COVID that week, and I had to um, switch in Liberty versus Virginia Tech as my backup. And I ended up, I wasn't too sure about it, but I ended up working out, which is pretty nice, um, obviously. And then... Um, Northwestern over Wisconsin and Cincinnati over Houston were just, um, I think if I'm remembering correct, those were like later in the season. And I basically just needed to get back, uh, do whatever I could to keep, try and keep up with the uh, rest of the guys. Um, but those ones worked out as well, which um, was fun to, you know, at least at least have something good to look forward to uh, every week. So, yeah, <laughs> a couple of bright spots in a <laughs> pretty down uh, lockboard season for me. <laughs> Yeah. Next but, year, yeah. man. Next year. <laughs> and well, uh, yeah. you know, even if you finished first or worse, with how many weeks we had this, people were going to have really good and really bad weeks. 
Um, and now we're on the bad side of things. So my worst <laughs> picks in the lock board, a couple weeks ago, I picked Florida to beat LSU. I thought I had a pretty good lead and I was just being safe, but that was a mistake because uh, LSU ended up winning that game. And it, the way they won, too, just made me really Thanks mad. Thanks to some shoe throwing. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, that way, I was really disappointed to get a one pointer. You would think that's the most safe pick that you can get because that's only one point, but I couldn't even get that, and that that made me mad. And then this week, I only got one point, and that made me mad too because I was really trying to lock things up, and I felt good about my picks. I thought I actually felt like I would have a really good week more than the last couple weeks before that. So to get just one point was pretty bad for me. And I really ended the lock board on a down, downward slide. If we kept this going a few more weeks, I think Eric could have had a chance to pass me because we were definitely going in opposite directions. But still happy to obviously win the lock board. And I didn't have too many down moments this year. Uh, Connor, share a couple of your worst moments. <laughs> yeah, so continuing the trend of uh, one-pointers here. Obviously, week one, that Philadelphia over Washington, that was really unfortunate because... Uh, not only was that a one-pointer that I got wrong, but that was uh, my very first survival pick of the year. So I started the year, like Nate also had that too. We started the year with a strike in survival. You never want to start with that week one. Um, and then obviously the Michigan over Michigan State. Like I remember Zach included that one on the list like because normally we had a, uh, a limit of like, tw- like the spread had to be under like 20 points or something for it to be on the board and the spread in that one was like 25 for Michigan. And he was like, I'll just include it because it's a rivalry game. And I was like, okay, well, like I was like, I need a safe pick. Cause this is back when I was doing, when I was in the lead and I was like, all right, I just didn't want a safe pick. And I took Michigan and unfortunately that didn't work out either. Um, and, and I know this isn't on there either, uh, but kind of like, you know, Eric said he ended on a really good note. I ended on a super down note. Um, I just could not get anything to go my way in the last few weeks of the lockboard, like I had some really close games that didn't go my way. Like I had the Arkansas and Missouri game where like, you know, I had a couple games like that where, you know, the team that I picked was like leading the whole game, but then like right at the end, the other team took over. And then I had the Miami and Las Vegas game where like Miami got that miracle ending with uh, Fitzpatrick making that throw while his face mask was being held. I was like, Oh, come on. Are you kidding me? Like, just can't get anything to go my way. And then obviously this week with, uh, you know, Tennessee kind of did like a very a similar thing to Miami, not quite as uh, miraculous, but still like Houston had just tied it to get it to go to overtime. And then Tennessee got like a 52 yard throw on like their very first play after the kickoff and got the game winning field goal, which went off the upright too. I was like, Oh, is he going to miss this? But it unfortunately bounced in. And then obviously the, Arizona with over the Rams with Kyler Murray getting hurt that pick ended up being shot so um, definitely a very very down end to the lock board for me I did not foresee myself ending up in a tie for second with Eric when this was all said and done I thought I was still going to hold on to second place but um, yeah always next year (laughs) oh yeah all right yeah so now Eric you can talk about what caused the dragon meme that we always talk about (laughs) yeah so I had a three-week stretch where I literally only scored one point I had two zeros and a one so um like a a goofy dragon meme is definitely not deserved for a bad week because as Zach said like you know, we're all going to, we were always going to have like good weeks and bad weeks, but you know, when you have three bad weeks in a row, like 
the goofy dragon meme was definitely deserved. So, you know, I, I, I took the L on that one. Like, what's that? There's a song I hear that people play at my Domino's job all the time. Like, took the L, but I bounced back or whatever. Like, so I bounced back later, but that, that was a horrible three-week stretch for me. And um, and Zach put on here, too, that I had a two and uh, two out of 12 record on five-pointers. Uh, I'm not as mad on those because some of those ones I picked were like within the last couple of weeks where I was, they were picks I wouldn't. Oh, actually, actually, I, sorry, What's I actually that? didn't, I actually didn't include this last week. So that was before this week. Oh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. I didn't realize that. Okay. Yeah. I definitely had some bad upset picks and, uh, and like Connor, like I'm going to mention too, like another thing that's not on here. Um, I, uh, I remember I had one week in particular where it might've been one of those three weeks, like during my one point stretch. But I remember I had one week where like, not only did I not get any of my picks, right. I think every pick I made lost by like at least 20 points. Like, I mean, it, it was just a horrific week of blowouts. Like, <laughs> like every team I picked lost by so many points. It was just bad, but, but yeah, so that's uh that's it for me there with my worst of the lock board and hopefully uh if a goofy dragon meme happens in the next season of the lock board picks that it won't be me <laughs> <laughs> yeah next talk next halloween will it'll hopefully be a different person for your sake uh nate so <laughs> you had a little bit of a rough learning curve with the lock board so go ahead and uh share some of your worst moments <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, I basically kind of put myself behind the uh, uh, eight ball going into this uh, little season here. Um, week one, I didn't really I – mean, I, I got what was going on. Um, I knew the rules and all that, but I thought I would uh, come out and be a little more conservative and take all one-pointers. I just figured some points are better than no points, and, you know, for picking upsets. Um, you know, I'm not – I haven't really been too good at that, so I thought I'd uh, try and go for the easy points, and that didn't really work, work out too well. Um, so that was kind of a, like Eric said, an L on my part. Um, that's kind of why I was so far behind the standings, um, was at beginning of the season. But, um, uh, other than that, I had a couple bad picks. I took uh, Boston over Toronto, um, in basketball, which I kind of learned my lesson on that one too, that I need to stay away from <laughs> basketball picks because I'm not too, uh, wasn't really too great with those over the course of the season. And then, um, I also picked the Rams over uh san francisco which um i'm trying to think when that was now um, that was like in the middle of when was, san francisco had like their entire almost their entire yeah oh yeah that's, yeah <laughs> yeah that, that was probably not a, <laughs> i was kind of just looking at the spread and i was like oh that looks you know uh stalls so i took it but um i should have probably did some more research on that one but um yeah overall it was, I mean, it was a fun time hopefully next year i'll be um ready to be at least closer to <laughs> the rest of the guys in points so yeah yeah and then um there's a couple things that we all did bad on which i put on here thanksgiving week and this week also we went two of 12 combined as a crew so those were our worst weeks two of 12 on the lock board and this week we all did crazy stuff I, some of the people did i i me and connor obviously were legitimate with ours but um but yeah, so those yeah, are some I, bad I weeks. took the Jaguars to beat the Colts, so you knew I was desperate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
But we're going to end the show with this or that, which I said at the start we would do. And I've got a couple uh, questions. And the way this works is you either go with this or with that. And the first one is Casey or the field when it comes to the Super Bowl. And we're actually all going to go the field except for Eric is picking Kansas City. So I'll let Eric talk first about why he is for sure on the Kansas City over the field with the Super Bowl pick. Yeah, I mean, this is obviously, you know, a risky pick to make here because obviously there's 13 other teams. Uh, So obviously if you're betting, you would have better odds taking the field. But I'm just really confident in the Chiefs. I know they kind of struggled in a couple of their – you know, last, you know, last couple games of the season and everything, like they struggled against, uh, I believe it was Atlanta. And um, I don't know why I'm drawing a blank here, but I know they had a couple of like ugly wins, but um, they still obviously won and they've only lost one game, you know, for a reason. They are a really good team. And the reason why I am picking them too is because, when it comes to the NFC side of the bracket, I'm just not as impressed with the NFC versus the AFC. Like, I feel like if a team in the AFC beats the Chiefs, that that team will probably win the Super Bowl. I feel like with the like the Packers, who are the number one seed, I feel like their uh, run defense gets exposed really bad. That's my biggest concern for them. The Saints, Drew Brees hasn't done as well in the playoffs the last few years. I worry about, you know, his consistency and being able to get the job done. The Seahawks defense is obviously not that good, and the offense hasn't been quite as good. The Rams don't even really have a quarterback. So, like, you know, Tampa could be. They've got a lot of weapons. Like, I could maybe see them if they were to get there, but I don't know. I'm just – I I'm not as sold on the NFC as I am – the AFC, but even with the AFC, like the the Steelers, Big Ben has been very inconsistent lately. The Browns struggled to beat the Steelers, even with a lot of backups in. Uh, the Colts don't really scare me. Lamar Jackson has been inconsistent. Uh, the Bills are really the only team that I could see beating them, but uh, I do have the Chiefs beating them in the AFC Championship game in my predictions. So I just – I feel pretty confident the Chiefs will repeat. I mean, Patrick Mahomes has been playing at a uh, MVP level again. You know, the defense is okay. He All of his weapons are still healthy. Uh, so I, I believe that the Chiefs are going to win it. And I, so that's why I'm taking them over the field. All right. So, Nate, do you want to talk about why you think the field has a really good chance this year against the Chiefs? Yeah, so, I mean, I think... Really, for me, it's just, um, like in any sport, it's a hard, uh, very hard deal to repeat. I've seen it, um, obviously, with the Pats the past few years. They made it to the big game, and they lost that one versus the uh, um, the Eagles. And, you know, it's tough to, um, obviously, the Chiefs are a great team. They're in a great spot uh, this year. But I think there's so much talent in the playoffs that, um, you know, winning these next uh, three games for them in a row is really going to be, you know, I think a challenge. And it's a challenge for any team. But I think this year, the biggest thing for me is Buffalo. Um, not to give away a huge spoiler, but they're my pick to win the Super Bowl. I think that's going to be their biggest challenge if they can get by them. Uh, super hot team right now in the AFC. You know, 
that's probably their biggest test. But they got them. They've got to go play Tom Brady and the Bucks potentially in the Super Bowl. Um, you know, there's all kinds of talent up and down the thing. And it's just not that it's you know bad on the Chiefs. I think uh, them or you know their Buffalo are obviously in a great spot to make it to the Super Bowl. But it's just um, in any sport, it's hard to uh, you know keep that success and those expectations for that long. Uh, I think one of these teams is gonna. Uh, get the better of them in an upset. All right, so let's go to the next one, and I'll let Connor kind of explain what this one's about. Yeah, so if you're looking on YouTube, then you'll see that there's uh, two sets of standings, one which is the current uh, seeding format with the Washington football team being number four, the Bucks five, Rams six, and Bears number seven. Um, but on the other side, we've got... Um, a situation where the seeding is done by record. Um, so obviously the Washington football team still makes it because they won their division. But um, since they're seven and nine, the seeding would be that the Bucks would be number four, the Rams five, Bears six, and football team number seven. So um, I feel like I, I threw this up here just so like, um, you know, which would be the better option in your opinion as to like, you know, okay, should, you know, should be, should we be granting, a team who's seven and nine, a home playoff game just because they won their division um, or should it be done by record? So um, I guess I'll start with my point as a, since I'm in favor of doing it by record, um, there are a lot of people who like, I've seen this on Twitter and Facebook about how people are like, Oh, well, you know, the NFC shouldn't even get a playoff spot. Like, why should the seven and nine Washington football team make the playoffs, but over in the AFC, the 10 and six dolphins aren't even making it. So um, I do think that's a bit of a bad argument because, you know, if you're going to say that like the dolphins should make the playoffs because they were 10 and six over the football team who was seven and nine, who are in different conferences, then you might as well just do away with divisions and conferences. Cause there was a lot of people saying that too, that like, you know, a team like the Cardinals or somebody should have gotten in over the football team because they had a better record. Um, but it's like, again, if you're going to take away, you know, the, the the spot for the NFC East, then you should just should not even have divisions anymore. And I think divisions are important because, you know, it's just, it, it shows, it, the, if you can get wins over the teams in your division, then you're at least proving that you're better than, you know, three other teams. So, um and I don't know, and it's—I just think it's a tradition that shouldn't go away. Um, there's divisions in every sport, and you know the the winner of each division should be granted at least a playoff spot. Now, while I think they should be granted a playoff spot, I don't think they should have a home playoff game because we have seen it before in the past, probably most notably with the Seahawks in 2010, I believe it was, when they were seven and nine and they got. Um, they got the four seed in the playoffs and they were able to have a home playoff game against the saints who were the five seed that year, the defending super bowl champions. And the Seahawks went on to win that game. Um, they were just riding the crowd. They were riding, you know, the mom being at home and having all that energy. And it's like, you know, I don't think that they should have been allowed to have that. I think the saints should have had a home playoff game because the saints were like 11 and five or 10 and six that year. Um, they lost out because I think it was the, the Falcons were the were like 13 and three that year and won the South. So um, the Saints got in as a wild card. But uh, I just think that, you know, while they should still get a playoff spot, I don't think they should be allowed to have a home playoff game, especially when you're coming in with a losing record. Like, you know, that's you're not really you're not really deserving 
of a home playoff game when you can't when the only teams that you're beating for the most part are the ones in your division. So um, that's my opinion. I think that's the way it should be done. Um, I don't think that they should mix the conferences, which I know people have wanted that to happen in the NBA. Like they seed them by uh, team, not by conference. But at least I think they should do it like this, where the teams with the better record in the conference get the home playoff games because, you know, they earned it. They won more games. So, um, but I'm going to let Zach play. I know we all were kind of on this train that we think it should be like this, but um, I'm going to let Zach play devil's advocate for uh, why it should stay the way it is. Yeah. So quickly, um, a reason I think that it should stay the way it is, is just tradition. I mean, that's what, uh, you said was before the tradition about keeping the divisions, keeping the conferences and everything. And it goes along with that. Like you win the division, you expect a home playoff game. Um, I mean, I, I definitely see where you're coming from and everything. But like to me, at the end of the day, these are pretty rare circumstances. And I would hate to see like two teams with the same record and a tiebreaker and the division winner not get in over the tiebreaker. Um, in this year, it's obviously looking bad because the Buccaneers, the road team have won four more games than them, but, um, I don't know. I, I, to me, I don't feel as strongly about this as you do. And, um, it's a rare thing to happen. Like I said, and I just like the way that it is with the traditions. Like if you win the division, you get that home playoff game. And then next week you go on the road if you don't have a bye week and, with the seven C now that's adding a new thing in there, but, but yeah, so that's, um, that's my take on it. And that's going to wrap up this episode guys. I, I was going to say beforehand, did you, cause I know we talked about this a little bit. We all made our, uh, full playoff picks. So did you want to like at least share like maybe our Super Bowl matchups very quickly? Yeah, we can, we can do the Super Bowl matchups quickly and we'll post the whole results on Twitter. Um, so for myself, I'm keeping my pick with the Buccaneers over the Chiefs. Uh, you guys can go ahead and say your uh, predictions. So I'm going with the, uh, I'm going completely different from my pick at the start of the year. I had Casey in Seattle in the Super Bowl at the start of the year with Seattle winning, but I have com- done a complete 180. And so now I've got the Buffalo Bills versus the New Orleans Saints. And I've got the Buffalo Bills winning their first ever Super Bowl. I know that'll make my dad happy if he listens to this, but, uh, you know, nobody circles, <laughs> nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. So th- this is their year. And who knows if the Bills make it to the Super Bowl. There's going to be limited tickets, but I'm sure my dad will do everything in his power to get tickets for us to go to it. Because he said he always would. If the Bills got to the Super Bowl, he'd pay the money to go to it. <laughs> Dang, that's pretty cool. And I'd be, I'd be cool if that happens, too, just because the amount of Bills fans I'd see throwing themselves through tables would be unbelievable. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> but um, my initial pick at the beginning of the season was uh, KC and Seattle, like Connor, but I had the Chiefs winning. Uh, I am keeping the Chiefs in, but I'm going with both of the one seeds. I'm going with the Chiefs and the Packers. Uh, I think only the one team having the bye week is, I think it's going to be a big advantage for uh, both of those teams. Uh, and it's not every time, but most of the time it's when it was two teams with bye weeks, it seemed like there was always a one or a two seed getting in the Super Bowl the majority of the time. So 
I feel like that's going to give a big edge to them. But I do have the Chiefs beating the Packers in the Super Bowl. Uh, Nate, what about you? Yeah, so coming into the season, uh, I had um, Kansas City winning the Super Bowl over Seattle. Um, I'm going in a completely different direction here, and I'm going to pick Tampa Bay to win over Buffalo uh, at home. Um, I think either of those teams, uh, if they both make it, I'd be happy to see either of those fan bases get their first uh, championship. But I think uh, I'm going to give the Bucks just a slight edge, um, being that they have Tom Brady and all of his weapons that should hopefully be helpful, healthy by then. Well, at least for the Bucks' sake, they do have a Super Bowl. Yeah, they, they it. yeah the Bills don't, but the Bucks. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I forget that one in uh, um, <laughs> Yeah, what like would you take? 1 0 or 0 um, 4? First one in a while. <laughs> yeah yeah well that's gonna wrap this episode up guys thanks to everybody for listening and watching and we'll be back next week to talk about these games and the games going forward and until then be clutch bye see ya peace